Hello and welcome to Leaders to Go, a podcast series brought to you by Sports Business Journal, Leaders in Sport, and the Esports Observer. My name is Chris Hanna, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Esports Observer. Right now, you are listening to Conquering Geek Culture, and together with my guests, I will examine how digital entertainment and popular culture impact the sports and esports industry. Hear from the leaders who spearheaded culture and the ones driving it today, and learn what you need to know in order to not lose touch with today and tomorrow. Hello and welcome to another episode of Conquering Geek Culture. My name is Chris Hanna and today I'm joined by Tim Hayden, co-founder and managing director of Stadia Ventures. Besides people I met at Sports Business Journal and leaders in sport, Tim is the ultimate connector in the sports industry and beyond. If you don't know Tim, you should listen carefully. If you do know Tim, I'm confident you will enjoy the next 30 minutes. Thank you for making time, Tim. Uh, Chris, I appreciate it so much, man. So how's that for an intro? Do you recognize yourself in this? No, 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 no. It makes me sound taller than I really am. <laughs> I, was, I was really impressed. Like when you had me over in Dallas, I was really impressed with all the people you have gathered. Um, but before we look into Stadia, before we go into this, I really want to start with something personal. So when I looked at, you know, all the things you've done, your LinkedIn profile states that your goal in life is to help the next generation achieve their dreams, especially entrepreneurs. Why is that important to you? Yeah, no, I think, uh, and that's, that's just a personal mantra of mine. I think uh, there's so many people that have helped me get to where I'm at. And they all, again, kind of uh, give first, give back. Um, so as I look at where I'm at now, um, I know that there are a lot of amazing entrepreneurs out there now that just need a chance. Uh, and even more than just a chance, the ability to understand the path. And I think, you know, we've been able to assemble at Stadia almost 5,000 strong now, people of like mind that want to be able to give back, that want to help that next generation, knowing that it can only help improve all of our industries. I love that. So in your own words, What is Stadia Ventures for people who do not know what it is? Uh, so St Stadia, when we created it, um, I mean, I guess the, 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 the buzzwords of it is we are a global sports innovation hub. Um, but the real magic of it is, is we are more efficiently moving innovation from the really good entrepreneurs to the really good industry folks. And again, within the sports and esports space, there, there are so many people that want to play in the space, both on the entrepreneur side and on the industry side. And our position was always, let's find the really good people, those that need to cut through the clutter uh, to get to the right decision makers, and those that are decision makers that need to best understand what are the really good entrepreneurs. So you've built a tremendous network of supporters, um, advisors, investors, and people surrounding your operation. Can you just shed a little bit of light on who you're working with from a network perspective and sure. you know, why this is important to your mission? Sure. So, so at the end of the day, I mean, Stadia is really all about the family, um, the network, the advisors, everybody else. But we always, uh, as, as I like to say, I'm, I'm half Italian. So when you're in the family, you never really get out of the family. Um, but when you come across good people, especially in the industry, you hold on to those. And the nice part is, is when we created Stadia, and this is six years ago now, um, it, we really started it with a no asshole policy. Um, I hope I can say that on air. Um, but, but it was, it was, You know, one, life is too short, and two, when you come across good people, you hold on to them, but you want them to meet the other good people that you have in your orbit. 
Um, and having this policy has allowed us not only to bring in, you know, new good people, but all of those good people continue to bring in other good people. Um, and so what that does is it, it's an exponential effect of, um, okay, all these good people are coming for whatever their reasons are. You know, at, at, at the heart of it, they're all good people. So if they want to come for business reasons, I need to find the latest technology for my job. I need to find uh, the latest technology to help my company. Um, or if it's personal, you know, I'm looking for my next, especially in COVID, COVID world right now, there's so many people that are looking for uh, new opportunities, job-wise, consulting, advisory roles. So our position was, let, let's create this hub. Let's bring all these good people together. And that's at the essence of this, this Stadia family is everybody, again, wanting to give first, wanting to help the next generation and, and also help each other. So what does Stadia look at? I mean, you mentioned sports, you mentioned esports. Um, I know that you're looking at technology as well. What are the kind of areas you're covering? Sure. So, so um, when you boil it down, Stadia is a venture firm focused strictly on esports and sports. And we have this this sports and esports business accelerator, like this immersive biz dev boot camp, uh, where we are now preparing for our eleventh cohort. Um, the fascinating part is is the deal flow that we see. Um, you know, in this last go around of the eleventh cohort. Over 50% of the, the applicants came from outside of the United States, uh, even though we are based in the United States. So, so there is so much opportunity and there's so much um, going on within that esports and sports space. So what we look at, our, our true sweet spot is, um, you know, we're looking for companies that already have a product and market or are very close to it. Um, and in addition, they have to have traction. And traction can either be pilot programs, uh, which could be unpaid pilots. Uh, and or revenue up to $3 million. Um, so that is kind of the cornerstone for our sweet spot for the accelerator. But then we also have the investment vehicle that will invest outside of the accelerator. And that'll be more in, you know, late seed, series A, series B kind of companies where we know they don't fit an accelerator model. Um, and then once you start to peel it back, it is, you know, we look at companies in that esports space um, that are, and this is also for the sports space, that are more infrastructure-based. So um, as much as we love the teams, as much as we love the facilities, as, love, as much as we love the game, the game developers and the publishers, we, we normally won't invest in that space um, only because we like the pick and axes. You know, the axe and picks, all the stuff that goes into supporting the industry of esports and sports. And I think that makes a lot of sense because when there's a gold rush, you know, you should rather sell the eggs and the pigs, right? Yeah. So when you when you do that, and you, you mentioned six years, when did you start investing in esports? Like very early on, or did that come to Stadia later? It, 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 so, and, and it's fascinating. Um, we started, okay, so we're six years old. I would say we started about three, three and a half years ago investing. Um, and so the the interesting thing is, I would say in our, Maybe it was our third demo day. Yeah, it was our third demo day. So that would have been in ooh, 2015, 16. Um, we ended up putting a panel together at our global demo day. And it was made up of, uh, it was made up of let's see, Akshay Khanna from the 76ers, because they had just done all of the first deals on the team, on the property side. Uh, it was made up of Garvey Candela, so uh, over at Twitch. Uh, it was also... I'm trying to think of who the other two panelists were. Uh, so we put this panel together when nobody really knew much about esports. Um, and, you know, people knew about video games. 
it was the most attended global demo day we ever had. And it was in St. Louis, Missouri, heartland of the United States, which, you know, is not one of the coasts. So they're going to be a little later adopter anyway. And we blew everybody's mind on the power of esports. And this is back in 2000, yeah, 2016, I think is when it was. Um, and so after that moment, we said, we need to be in this space. But our problem was we couldn't find companies that were developed enough. We found a lot of talkers. Uh, we found a lot of people that you know are no longer really around, or they've you know moved into other environments and things. And that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, but we could not find companies that we could legitimately invest in uh, with the opportunity to pay our investors back. So I would say it was probably three years before we finally started finding companies. Um, now I would say in the last year, year and a half, oh my goodness! I mean, it's almost like uh, it's almost like these uh, early stage esports startups have now matured enough to start to better understand who, not necessarily who's going to survive, but who's figured out the pain, who's figured out the solution, and who's starting to figure out how somebody's going to pay for that pain to go away. And that's, that's an amazing point you're making here, because what, what I wanted to ask you is, with your understanding, um, not just in you know, investing, but also with all your experience in entrepreneurship, and you look at sports and esports, what are the pain points right now that you feel people need to solve? Yeah, so um, this has evolved. I mean, this is a tremendous question. And I guarantee if we talk in even three months from now, it may be a little different. Um, I think, okay, this is not me thinking, this is legitimately everybody says, you know, with, with, with the global pandemic came a lot of pain. Um, obviously, human suffering, economic suffering, everything that goes with it. But what it did was it slingshotted to the forefront video gaming and esports to a level that's never been seen. Um, it, it's now, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a buzzword, but it is on the, 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 the ends of the, the lips of every single person in the investment communities in both the sports space and the new media space or media space, entertainment space. Um, the influencers that are now engaged, the publishers and what they're doing, the, the fact that people are just at home so much and, and especially from the kids perspective of, you know, instead of going out to play and running down to the neighbor's house, they, they now are communicating and they always have been, but now on a grander scale, communicating through their video game platforms. Um, and so it becomes a community-based type of thing like we've never seen, but it's, it's forced the habit. So what what I referred to as what would have taken a decade uh, to embrace by the larger population has literally happened overnight. And so these trends will continue. Um, so things that we looked at as Stadia, um, e even six months ago, e even when you were a finalist pitch day judge down in Dallas with us, when we were looking at um, one of the groups, one of the startups was, uh, um, what was it, watching, watching uh, football matches online with your friends and and talking and communicating and everything and we're like you know and this is all the major leagues and the sports teams and everybody was saying that's never going to happen and then we end up with global pandemic and now that is like the top of everybody's mind so i think there are certain trends um but i think it's still so early you know it goes back to the uh, uh, picks and axes i, I look at Esports has a jump start on uh, because they have sports to look at. You know, sports is all about sponsorship and merchandising and ticket sales and uh, content dis uh, development, distribution. Uh, it's the, the media rights. 
esports is going to be able to literally leapfrog what would have taken a hundred plus years for traditional sports. The the roadmap has been set for esports. And that's a really good point. And that's interesting too, because one of the discussions I always have is, you know, do we need to replicate the sports industry with esports? You know, what are the opportunities to reinvent the industry, do things differently, probably do things better? So when you look at um, sports and esports in that context, do you think it is complementary? Because we see all of the, you know, sports investors looking at esports, we see teams uh, sports teams getting esports teams, you know, we see the kind of uh, convergence. Mm -hmm. Do you believe it's complementary or do you think that both industries are still competing for the same thing, which is attention, and that one is going to outperform the other at one point? Sure. So um, it's funny because I, 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 now that you bring it up, I, I think of like the automotive industry where you have all of the big automotive groups. You have, you know, the BMWs and the Fords and the, you know, uh, Toyotas. And then Tesla comes along and Tesla in a completely twist on everything, you know, survives the, the first onslaught and now has grown bigger than all of the automotive brands combined uh, in value. Um, I look at esports in a similar fashion. I think they, I think esports can, can benefit from the, from the sports industry. And I, I think that is why you're seeing quite a few traditional sports executives moving on over into esports. Um, but I, I still believe it's its own entity that will eventually dwarf traditional sports. Um, but I also, at the same time, I don't mean to be wishy-washy, but I think it'll be complementary to it. So where NBA has not figured out yet the NBA 2K side of things, but FIFA sure has. And FIFA, um, I mean, their, their numbers are off the charts where when you look at it, FIFA's revenue is being driven off a of World Cup and the FIFA game. <laughs> so so I think uh, you will eventually start to maybe not necessarily see it. Esports become the, you know, the, the um, siloed juggernaut. I think it will always be intertwined with sports in some capacity, whether it's team owners wanting to own uh, certain, you know, teams or properties or things that are tied to it, or, Hey, I can now pack my stadium instead of for, for American football, you know, that's only eight home games. Well, that, that's almost a billion dollar, two billion dollar stadium that they have. What are they going to do with the other three hundred and fifty some odd games uh, or days where there are no games? So I, I think there is going to be uh, a, a link between the two forever. Um, but I still think esports is going to completely dwarf traditional sports. And I agree with you. The thing that I just want to say is that you know it's also a question of how do we differentiate esports from what gaming is. And if you look at EA, for example, you know, and you look at um, the FIFA game, I think EA mm -hmm. posted three billion in revenue mm -hmm. for last financial year, and I think twenty-eight percent were Ultimate Team, mm -hmm. like the packages they sell for the game. Mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily esports. That might be, you know, fueled by esports as well. Mm -hmm. But you can see that. I mean, the gaming industry is north of one hundred sixty billion already. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. that's massive, and that's just going to grow with esports being the the spear, like yes. you know, the yeah. spearhead, yeah. like the tip of the pyramid. Um, but I think that, you know, it will drive a lot of technology. And I also think that there is a lot of, well, complementary parts or let's say overlaps with the traditional sports industry. I, I agree. And I look at it even like, uh, especially from the Premier League side of things where they've entered the U.S. market in not only hey partnering at the MLS level, but they've actually created youth leagues and youth 
properties in different cities. So in a way, they and that's where I think esports really is. And I, I 100% agree with you. It's the tip of the spear. It is, you know, for the Premier League with, you know, Arsenal has teams across America at the youth league side. Um, and so what they're doing is, one, creating the brand around it. Two, they're creating a pipeline of talent. But to be perfectly honest, they've also created a revenue stream out of this entire thing based off of property in London. <laughs> so, so I think uh, esports kind of has that opportunity to do the exact same thing for video games. And I shouldn't say has it; it, it already is doing it. And I think Chris Overholt said it at a leaders' event, you know, where he said that esports leagues will at one point outperform traditional sports leagues because they're global, yes. they're you know have a highly engaged audience, and they're just you know digital. Yeah. in his native state, right? So they're, they're just grew up in a digital space. So, so, agree. so agree. If you take this, do you think that traditional sports is losing touch with the younger generation? Or do you feel that this is exaggerated if people come across and say, you know, I mean, you said gaming, esports might dwarf sports at one point, but when everybody looks at this right now and is talking about how sports going to die, like, what's your take on this? Sure. So, so this is where I go back to the whole, like, automotive industry. I think... I think um, I think <laughs> the sleeping giant has been awoken in a way. Um, like when when we look back on history, what is it? Mo most of the time is condensed, but when we're living through it, it feels like dog years. Um, so I think for us who who have all been through it, and and you longer than anybody, so like I'm I'm a late person to the party. Basically, there are still people that are coming to the party, um, but I think once people truly realize it and i think that's where traditional sports is now realized they don't know them they don't know the uh, correct formula yet everybody's trying to do different you know just like entrepreneurial journey everybody's trying different things nba's trying something nhl's trying something different you have fifa doing their thing um and, and I should say, and I don't always mean to keep coming back to the traditional sports because you bring up an awesome point, which is, and then you have Epic and Riot and all these game publishers that are also playing in, you know, a different space to to this traditional sport environment. Um, so I, I think we're going to see over this next five, 10 years, um, people are going to start honing in in the traditional sports sense on how they can partner and leverage and uh, how to maximize the opportunity. Um but the interesting, and I always keep coming back to it, traditional sports, at least in America, has has figured out how to maximize revenue um, to the detriment of fan experience and other things. The fan experience is always con constantly evolving. That's where I truly see that it's going to help on the esports space. You know, you're going to continue to see that that transfer of knowledge and transfer of people, and it'll go back and forth. You know, I, I guarantee we're going to start seeing more riot and epic people moving on over to traditional sports to helping to drive that further along in traditional sports. And and I I really see it as a symbiotic relationship. That's awesome. And again, I agree with you. So this is a really boring conversation because I think we're constantly agreeing. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm going to take the opposite approach with you from now on. This is <laughs> no, but, so, no, but that, I think I think you're right. So, so you know, I almost lost my thread now. So, yeah, sorry. So let, let's talk. No, let's talk about the good stuff because yeah. I I agree with what you say. And you know, when you look at sports tech and you look at technology, like what do you think can the industries learn from each other, right? And you mentioned monetization in sports. You know, it's at a it's at a level where esports can only dream of. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at media rights, you know, we don't have that yet. Mm -hmm. Esports mainly driven by sponsorships. I mean, we can argue how sustainable that is. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. you look at the, the ecosystem structures, like what do you think can each industry learn from the other? Okay, so um, 
traditional sports, and this is just in general, I would say larger community. How about this? Everybody outside of video gaming and esports can learn how to connect with a younger audience. Um, and at the end of the day, that's brands, that's properties, that's federations and leagues, that's anybody engaged in kind of the, the outside video game esports world. Um, and, and, and mainly it's because it's native, native for the younger generation. Um, I mean, you know, not to age myself, but I used to play on Atari, you know, and, and so the experience of my old Atari days to what is now going on on a PS or Xbox or anything else or or even on on on, you know, PC or any type of, of uh, actual computer device type of thing and mobile is, is crazy, like the the evolution of it. And that that has been pretty quick. Um and then you turn to the esports and video gaming world, and um, again, I think you've already started seeing it. Is you know when um, actually let me take a different let me diff- take a different well hey, let me finish that thought um, that you're going to continue to see the movement of traditional sports people, and when I say traditional sports, I mean that's at the agency level, that's at the player uh, engagement level, and the the athletic performance level, and I, I look at everything that uh, we're looking at within Stadia, you know, athletic performance and uh, AI and v- and, and uh, machine learning and AR VR and um, fan engagement. Um, anything involving, you know, again, the infrastructure is going to end up coming up, whether it's now or later or is in process is going to be in esports and video gaming. Um, and, and I go more with the esports side, um, because at the end of the day, you know, the, the pro teams of traditional sports are going to be the esports driven kind of folks, the youth sports and amateur sports, especially youth sports will be more the video gaming environment, you know, where the, the USA hockey and USA football, who are all the peewee kids are all, you know, that's the, that's going to be your, your video gaming audience and environment. And then also they're going to be the viewers of the esports environment. Um, but I love that, like it was, it was Peter Moore used to help lead EA, and then he moves on over to, and I'm going to butcher it, and so I apologize, but I think it was like Liverpool or maybe it was Arsenal uh, that he became president of. And it's like, okay, somebody's starting to really think about this, you know, where it's, uh, you know, the video game esports world. Hey, we need to pull that person in from a traditional sport kind of property. And they're still going to be a business leader. They're still going to know how to run a, a successful company, but they're bringing a lot more to the table than just, you know, being able to run a successful traditional company. They're bringing that video game and esports experience with them. Yeah, we've seen a lot of people like from, and you mentioned this before, from the kind of, well, traditional world, and it can be entertainment, can be sports, you know, moving into esports teams, esports infrastructure companies. So there is a lot of knowledge transfer going on right now. Um, so I'm really excited to see where this is going. Yeah. Do I, you have Do you have any opinion on the franchise model in esports? And I know that you're probably not as deep, you know, in the whole discussion, but from your perspective, and that's why I think it's specifically interesting. Do you think that's the way forward or should esports look at something different? Okay, so, and I, I love how you preface it because I was going to preface it the exact same way. Um, it, it's, like, it's like asking me about COVID vaccines and I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but, but I can give you my opinion. Um, so, so, so this is strictly just a, an opinion. It's not going to be, you know, people can argue all they want. Um, my opinion is I feel like it's similar to, the, the franchise model is similar to the uh, traditional sports side which is when things first got kicked off or if there is a, a big you know, surge, it, it's just going to be supply and demand. It, it's going to be what is somebody willing to pay for it? Um, is it overpriced? 
in my eyes, it could be. But in the person paying for it, it's not overpriced. They feel like they can get value out of it. And at some point, because um, at the end of the day, it's an investment. So at some point, they feel like they can get their money back plus. Um, so it, I don't want to say it's for me to say, hey, this is a bubble. It's all going to come crashing down. My personal take is it, things are overvalued. But I also, we're in America, you know, we, people, people jump in for the most random reasons, um, and, and, and can be convinced to spend probably more than they should. Um, so I think at this point in time, um, we're seeing a lot of new people jump in because they feel like they may need to protect their flanks, team owners, people like that. I think you see a lot of influencers that are jumping in because, you know, one, they play two, they know their audience is playing three, you know, they just believe this is truly the future. Um, I think once we get into, and this goes back to the decade side of things, we're going to start to see some stabilization. And I look at the traditional sports scene and it families have owned it for a long time. I mean, you know, sports properties, especially at the top four level in America, they don't change hands that often. Um, and when they do, it's because the value has increased. So I think you'll eventually start to see a settling of, um, of, of people that are owning teams. Now, the flip is, do you do it by city? Do you do it by team? Do you like, there's so many, there's so many ways to argue that one that I really, I have no idea what the winning model is going to be. Just like I think traditional sports still hasn't figured out their winning model of how they're going to, you know, truly leverage esports and video gaming. Sorry for putting you on the spot. You tackled this incredibly well, but that is, that's what it's about for me. I really want to get opinions, you know, from people who probably look a little bit at it from an outside yeah. perspective yeah so that make that makes total sense and i didn't want to i didn't want to grill you with any no 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 hey and i want to revisit this in like five years with you i think we should have a follow-up conversation and see how things played because i think uh, it's like investing you know some some people know other people don't but at the end of the day nobody really knows <laughs> we just have a good yeah. feel yeah we can do that and to just to just you know go a little bit away from esports and let's look let's look at sports tech for a second With your experience, you know, in Stadia and before, um, you know, I want to talk about culture and how culture impacted, uh, you know, the sports industry. We're looking at digital entertainment and all these kind of things surrounding it. Like, are there any major trends that you have observed or any shift in, you know, technology moving in any specific direction where you would say, here are the top trends coming up or here's stuff that we've seen that change the industry or will change the industry? Sure. So, so I think... Um... All of the buzzwords are still in play, you know, the AR, VR, uh, machine learning, AI. Um, I, I think all of those kind of groups, uh, 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 player performance. Like I always look at Formula One and I know at some point we're going to see this on our cars down the road, you know. So so I, I, I look at sports being the, and I do love how you said that, the spearhead, like the, the, the tip of the spear, you know. Um, sports is the tip of the spear, especially at the professional level where eventually it will all filter down. So our position is always the same and never has changed, which is sports for us is a Trojan horse. Um, sports, when you talk athletic performance, that will eventually move into healthcare, that will eventually move into medicine, that will eventually move into, you know, uh, patient care, everything that goes with it. Um, when you look at, uh, a, you know, AI and machine learning, Well, to be honest, that's everywhere else right now. So I think there are opportunities for that to be pulled in. So when we look at companies, it's not that, hey, they are the best at, at selling tickets or other things. We're looking at it along the lines of, oh, man, they're using blockchain to sell tickets. 
but also to protect the tickets, which then now we think in the back of our mind, hey, we could also be talking with financial service companies about all this. Um, so it expands the, the discussion. So for trends, we still see the same things. The, the other thing that I'll end up saying, and, and you know, whether it's luck, whether it's, well, actually, I'm going to take, you know, what, what do they say? Luck is like the intersection of preparation and timing or something. I forget what it is. Um, I look at our, COVID, our, our we call it, well, now I've just literally re-termed it the COVID cohort, but cohort 10 for us that just completed, we started, um, and that was, you know, um, a, a very uh, com- uh, high-end compression sock. Uh, that has amazing technology that can actually move into other parts of your body. Uh, so it's almost like instead of taping your ankles, it is a compression sock that does that does all the heavy lifting and pros use it. And we had an esports company that's the, doing the back office for esports with contracts, payment services, things like that. We had another group that was senseless motion capture um, and their technology. I mean, the dude, one of the dudes who started it used to be the president of Tesla Japan, and another one developed the technology for GoPro cameras. Uh, stabilization side. I mean, the companies in this cohort were like amazing. We met in session one live, which occurred Mar- March 11th. By March 13th, America was shutting down their airports and everything. So we literally had to rush everybody to the airports to get to their home countries, London, Toronto, and the rest were from the US. I look at these entrepreneurs and sports for lack of a better word, died that day, like all fan engagement, anything and everything died except for esports. Every one of these entrepreneurs, now that we just finished Global Demo Day, found ways to actually build their businesses in kind of a mini pivot, if you will. But more importantly is they were already heading that direction. So compression technology, well, heck, the healthcare workers needed that technology and needed those socks and apparel. Um, so they had an entire new like business model revenue stream uplift the uh, senseless motion capture. Well, they said, hey, you know, if nobody's going to the training facilities, well, why don't we create a coaching app for your at home where the coaches can interact live, senseless motion capture with their players to be able to still continue training at home. So I look at these and I say, the trends are still always going to be there, but it's really these entrepreneurs and how gutsy and persistent. And I mean, they are finding ways to generate revenue so that their companies don't go belly up. Um, And it reminds me of old stories about like World War II and other wars where you would hear these big companies instead of laying off or Anheuser-Busch during prohibition days when they, you know, it was illegal to drink beer in America. Well, they became a root beer manufacturer like, and they survived. And actually they had other businesses going with it. So I look at, it always comes back to the entrepreneur and those are the ones we love to help. Awesome. I have three questions left for you Yeah. and they're pretty, pretty short ones. The first one is if any of what you said is interesting to someone, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, uh, please. I'm, I'm an open book. So um, always connect up on LinkedIn. I will connect with almost anybody and see how it can kind of help. Um, especially if you're a founder of a business uh, in the sports and esports space, Jump on our website. We, we, we will open our application window for our accelerator two times a year. We'll invest up to $100,000 into at least you know four to six companies every single cohort, and we do two cohorts a year. And then we'll surround them with rock star mentors. I mean, we'll in- make as many introductions of our 5,000 strong family as physically possible. Um, and, and we've already got, like I said, 10 cohorts before. Five companies have already exited. Uh, to other friends of ours. And so um, please do connect with us. We're always looking, uh, even if it's not at, at, at the stage that we're looking at, 
all of our friends. We'll push them on over to Mass Challenge if it's too early stage, over to MLSE if it's about, you know, a little later stage than, you know, but still pre-us or, you know, Sport Tech Tokyo or Lead or we, we try to be as friendly with everybody as physically possible to help as many entrepreneurs as possible. Talking about connections again. <laughs> um, so the, so the, the other question is, when you do interviews or people talk to you, has there ever been a question that nobody asked you, but you really want to answer? <laughs> what am I wearing right now? No. no. <laughs> well, no. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> That's why I like these yeah. podcasts. Man. No, no, no. The question is, would you want to answer that? <laughs> That's even a bigger one. Yes, exactly. Um, no, um, I, I, think, I think a lot of it, this, this sounds so stupid, but there's so many amazing books. There's so many amazing people. There's so many amazing like uh, interviews and podcasts and stuff that I, I feel like, you know, they're, they're all amazing questions. I don't feel like there's any question that nobody's really asked me that, you know, to be honest, I, I may not even have, I'd have an opinion, but not an educated opinion on. Last question. Can you give me a piece of advice that you've been given and that you followed? And that can be in private life or in business, you know, that you would want other people to hear and follow up. Yeah, um, uh, that, that is a great, great question. So, so this is going to come from a couple different people over my life. Um, one is your reputation is gold. Um, if you, for whatever reason, if you lose it, it is so difficult to get back. So know that is the most expensive currency out there. Um, the second one is talk is cheap. This is from my grandfather. This is my Italian grandfather. Um, what, um, what, what was his line? It is um, bullshit walks, money talks. Yeah, that's what he used to say. And so um, talk is very cheap. One, one, uh, one of my internal mantras, and it just came up the other day, um, is... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like, I just like get shit done. You know, there's so many people that will talk a big game um, and not fulfill or not, you know, no action behind it. And there are fewer people that will have action and talk less. Um, I love, and everything is a test. So I test everybody um, just in general. Like it's, if, if, if you say something, you need to do it. If you don't say something and you do it, even better. Like, I absolutely love that, especially from entrepreneurs. Um, but yeah, get shit done and talk is cheap. I think they're big, big ones for me. Thank you very much, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. This has been fun, man. I truly appreciate it. 